0: Friend, your dad is still influencing you today more than you realize. In fact, your personality and what you are today is a reflection of your dad's impact. And so my dad has done his job. He's gone on to glory. But there are some dads here now, and it's your turn. You're raising kids at this time. How are you going to affect the next generation? How does that work? How do you do that? The Bible says that the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. Welcome to Pulpit Power, featuring Pastor Tony Skeving, Senior Pastor of Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. Today's message was previously preached before a church audience. And now, here's Pastor Skeving. Well, let's take our Bibles, please, at this time, and turn to the book of Proverbs back in the Old Testament and the 17th chapter, Proverbs Chapter 17, I don't know about you, but uh, in our home we do a lot of texting with kids and uh, we have family threads, group chats, if you will. This last week um, we received one from one of the kids and uh, said, it's Father's Day on Sunday. Dad, what do you want? And uh, honestly... For our family to get together is all I want. Uh, that's all I could hope for. It's the thought that counts. Dad, this is your day. This is uh, Father's Day. It ought to be Father's Month. They give a month to things a lot less worthy than this. But at least you have one day. You have Father's Day. And it's a special day. And you need to get pampered today. And maybe get yourself a little bell, all right? And if you need something, just ring that little bell. And uh, let the family get it for you. But anyway... Have a special time today with your family if they're nearby. Now, in Proverbs 17, we find a lot of pithy pointers or powerful Proverbs. And we have some things here throughout the Proverbs that we'll be looking at today. But one in particular in Proverbs 17, verse number 6. The Bible says, children's children are the crown of old men. And the glory of children are their fathers. Dad, I want to encourage you today with what I call fortitude for faithful fathers, fortitude for faithful fathers. May it reinforce you. And, and let's ask the Lord to help us before we start. Father, we thank you now, dear Lord, for the role of fatherhood. We thank you for the tenderness of the family and how heartwarming the very subject is. And Father, as we talk about dads and somewhat moms and children today, I pray that you would warm our hearts with the very thought of the home. Father, I do pray that you'd use this time today to undergird and strengthen and help our families domestically, and we'll thank you for it. We pray now all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. I uh, I did a funeral uh, this last week and as always before I do a funeral I I'll go to my funeral file I have in my my pastoring file and I was looking through that file and all of a sudden uh there was a program that fell out and I stopped and I stared at it because it was the funeral program for my own dad from uh 8 years ago and um I could only stare at dad's picture and and just miss him I I just couldn't help it you know he carved his initials in me and uh I thank God for that Dad was a great combination, really, of, of instruction, of discipline, some of that, of love, of, of care and, and, and compassion for us kids. He received Christ as his savior probably in his early to mid seventies, and, and so he didn't have a lot of a Bible knowledge, but he really had a lot of wisdom. And his mom and dad actually divorced when he was eight or nine. He was just a kid growing up in Grand Forks. His, uh, his dad moved away to North Carolina and uh the mother was left to raise the four children there and and so dad went to work as a kid he was throwing newspapers before school in the morning he uh, he rode a bicycle out on gravel roads in the evening to go work for a farmer and on weekends and uh he joined the army i think when he was 17 lying about his age but wanting to get in and make some real money which at that time was good, and so he was making money in the service. He, he was part of the occupation of, of Japan at that time, as the war just ended, and he was sending his checks home to Mom to, to raise the other three kids. He was the oldest, and and finally he got out of the service, and he came back and got married in 1949. That was the only suit he owned. He was so proud of that suit, and uh, the first of the kids of the nine kids was born in 1951. Dad had uh, not gone to college. He really uh, had no skills other than just some things he had learned along the way, and so his grandpa got him a job working at the roundhouse. Some of you, if you grew up in the Forks, should remember the old roundhouse. It was for uh, railroad trains to come in, and he was a decent mechanic, and it was a rough job. It didn't pay a lot, but uh, at least it kept a roof over their heads. And they uh, rented a, a real humble place uh, from a relative, and they could barely keep that place heated in the winter. There was no insulation in it at all. It had an old fuel oil stove in it and there were a number of times that that fuel oil stove would run out of fuel oil. And dad would come home late at night from the roundhouse all greased up and and mom would be huddled in the bed under the covers with our my oldest brother at that time trying to keep both of them warm and I don't know what the temperature in the house was, but dad would get a five-gallon can, he would go down, he would buy five gallons at a time of diesel fuel. He'd come and he'd put it in that big tank and get the the, uh, heater going again. And somehow he managed to raise nine kids, one at a time, and eke out a living during that time. And all us kids adored him, and, and we still do. He's carved his initials in us. Was he a perfect dad? No, no dad is. Was he a sincere dad? Absolutely. He did his best, and he influenced us. Friend, your dad is still influencing you today more then you realize, in fact, your personality and what you are today is a reflection of your dad's impact. And so my dad has done his job. He's gone on to glory. But there are some dads here now, and it's your turn. You're raising kids at this time. How are you going to affect the next generation? How does that work? How do you do that? Well, we're in the book of Proverbs here. The book of Proverbs is full of verses on the family, on the home and on dad. In fact, there are 26 verses specifically on dads in the book of Proverbs. And you might find this interesting. Every single one of them is an admonition. It's an exhortation. It's an encouragement. It's something positive to dads. It talks about the glory of fathers. It talks about the integrity of dads. It talks about the role of dads. It talks about the importance of dads. Now, Our nation is really whacked out when it comes to the family, has it not? When it comes to the home and fatherhood. But we as Bible-believing Christians live by our instructor's manual, this Bible right here, and the instructions God gives in us. And so really, dads are a big deal in God's plan. And we need to lift up that role. Dads have a role in God's plan. And the Proverbs has much to say about it here. There's some incredible truths in the Proverbs with just a a few words, and that would figure because the Proverbs were penned by the wisest man who ever lived, the man Solomon. And you add to that Holy Spirit inspiration, and you have a dynamic book here, and principles in sentence form. And here's one of them in our text, verse 6. The Bible says, children's children are the crown of old men, and the glory of children are fathers. Now, what's that mean? The glory of children are their dads. Well, it's the Hebrew word tifarah, And you know what that word glory means? It speaks of being thrilled over something or someone. The glory of children are their fathers. Children are thrilled over their dads. Now, I have a granddaughter who is thrilled about her dad. Daddy has her heart. In spite of everything grandpa has tried to do to steal it away, daddy still has her heart and has since the beginning. My kids found this, this little children's book and I forget the name of it, but if you've seen my son-in-law, this guy <laughs> looks just like him. And, the, and the, the little girl in this thing looks just like him. And we look through this thing and, and we laugh and we laugh because that looks like little Eva and her daddy. And uh, this last week... This last week, actually, her dad came home, and you know what two words she said as she went running to the door? You heard him a moment ago. Daddy's home. And she flew into his arms and hugged him. Daddy's home. You know, that's what glory means. The glory of children, tifara, means to be thrilled with, to be thrilled over, to take pride in. You know, the beginning of the words of the song we looked at a moment ago by Brother Fry, he said, there's nobody stronger than my daddy. Now, that's probably not true. But in the eyes of a child, it is. Oh, nobody's stronger than my daddy. They're thrilled with daddy. They glory in their daddy. It's a tif arah. And, and the Hebrew word glory there, it speaks of a great respect. A great respect. It is a respect. It is a glory that can linger long after dad has gone. And it has in my heart. His heartbeat lives on in mine. And there's something about the lasting legacy of a great dad and a child will glory in that dad forever. And so as we talk about this fortitude for faithful fathers that we want to help you with today, what does it require? Well, first of all, it involves what I call a required relationships, some relationships that have to take place and they have to be in the right priority in the life of a dad. Now, first of all, your first and foremost relationship dad is, is with God. That walk with God. Everything hinges upon a husband, a dad's walk with God. And ma'am, you would be a wise wife to let your husband have that quiet time with God every day. Because the whole family benefits. If dad is walking with God, that is the first relationship and it makes a big difference. But the second relationship is that of mom. It's the wife, the children's mother. And and of all the human relationships, this is the first one. Sir, don't get distracted from this. Don't get sidetracked from this. Please don't ever go looking for greener pastures. Please don't ever flirt with the opposite sex. That is taboo. You're playing with fire. And you know, the same guy who wrote the Proverbs, the wise man, had some advice to his own son. In Proverbs 5.18, he said, Let thy fountain be blessed. And rejoice with the wife of thy youth. That means the gal you married, the gal you started out with, the wife of your youth. Rejoice with the wife of thy youth. And then it goes on and it says, And and why wilt thou, my son, be ravished with a strange woman and embrace the bosom of a stranger? Sir, be content with the spouse that God has given to you. And don't ever listen to the drivel of this world that tells you you need to trade yours in for another one or get yourself another one. Be content with the spouse God has given to you. Now, mom and dad, let your kids see you give each other a big hug. Uh, let them see some uh, some uh, smooching from time to time. You know, uh, before I leave the house, most every single day, I'll walk over to my wife, and I'll say, "Pucker up," and uh, and then I'll I'll reach down and I'll give her a a smooch, and then I'll say, "That ought to keep you floating for the rest of the day." <laughs> and she go, "Yeah, right, whatever." <laughs> But you know, our kids will remember that. It leaves a lasting impression on a child. I learned from my dad to be devoted to one woman. He was devoted passionately to my mom. There was never any question about that. And I learned from my dad to be devoted to my children, to be devoted to my family. Dad was devoted to us. There's no question about that whatsoever. And and by the way, sir, don't ever forget, your wife comes before your children. That's biblical. That might sound funny, but she's number one, they're number two. And I know of homes, and I've pastored for 36 years here. I know of homes where it's the opposite way around, and it doesn't work. I've known where the kids get everything, and and, and the wife basically is just somebody that's tolerated. You don't have to resort to that if you remember the priority. It's God first, it's your wife second. Thirdly, what about the kids? What about the children? Well, cultivate a relationship with them to where you know you have their heart. Do you have their heart? And if you are a child here today listening, give your heart to your parents. Not your buddies, not not to the world, not to some other cause, not to the gang, but to your parents. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 15 that a wise son maketh a glad father... But a foolish son despiseth his mother. This speaks of a broken relationship. And tragically, it's taking place all over our nation. But Proverbs says in chapter 23 that the father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and he that begetteth a wise child shall have joy of him. And it goes on and says, thy father and thy mother shall be glad. If you're a child here, make your parents glad. But if you're a parent here, never stop building that relationship with your child. I mean, work on that relationship. Don't hold back showing your affection towards your children. You know that my kids are all grown, and we are empty nesters at this point. But if I see my kids, I hug them. And, and even my sons, we still hug. And now it's the grandkids. I, I would be underestimating it to say they have had thousands of kisses and hugs. And uh, over and over again. And, and they love it because mom and dad have already been doing it. Uh, it's something that was passed down from my parents to us, now to our kids, now to our grandkids. And I am so thankful that I came from a huggy home. And may I say to you, it's never too late to make your home a huggy one. Kids get a lot of security from that affection. And they love that. And if you ever wonder why kids do end up in gangs, it's it's quite often them looking for some acceptance and to fit in someplace and some affection. Now, May I also say, Mom and Dad, along with that affection, try a little kindness. It's an old expression. Are you kind to your kids? Or do you snap at your kids a lot? And you say, well, why? Maybe having a bad day? You know, we all have bad days, don't we? But that's not their fault. And and if I could just put it so simply, please remember to be nice to your children and let them remember you that way. Resist resist that frustration you get from the world. We all get that frustration from the world. It's easy to bring that home, but don't. Don't succumb to the old nature. There is a supernatural help from God as a Christian from above to be nice to your children. Work on that. It will leave a lasting impression. So we see those required relationships. But secondly, we see what I call that profitable provision. Now, a dad has a responsibility, secondly, to provide. And, and to you men here, you dads who work hard, kudos to you. God bless you for that. That is biblical. If you're an able-bodied man, the Bible says you have a responsibility to provide for your own household. Did you know that? We read this in 1 Timothy 5. It says, but if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith, and is worse." than an infidel. Now, those are some pretty strong words, but they come from God. And you find an admonition in the Bible if you're an able-bodied man to provide for your family. And God bless you, Dad, for doing that. I'll never know how my dad eked out that living through all those years to keep a roof over the heads of all nine of us kids and mom. But he did. Now, in Proverbs 19, the Bible says in verse 14, house and riches are the inheritance of, of fathers, House and riches are the inheritance of fathers. That's an interesting verse. What does that mean? When it speaks of house and riches, you know what it's talking about? It's talking about provision. It's talking about shelter. Now, this is something kids grow up without ever thinking about, isn't it? I never thought about it growing up. You never thought about it growing up. But every day, dad goes out to work to keep a roof over your head, working hard. My dad worked hard to keep a roof over the heads of nine kids. And so it mentions the house there, meaning a shelter. But then it says riches are the inheritance of fathers. That means income in the Hebrew. It literally means substance. It's talking about the things that you need to grow up with. You need shoes, don't you? You need clothing. You need uh, blankets for the bed. You need the bed itself and the pillow on the bed. You need trips to the dentist. You, you need the schooling and you need the transportation. And here's dad bringing that home to his kids. It's an inheritance. That word speaks of an heirloom. That word in the Hebrew speaks of an heritage. And it says, house and riches are the inheritance of who? Fathers. This is a divine process. This is something spawned in the mind of God Almighty. In fact, in the New Testament, Paul has this to say. He said, for the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. Does that make sense? I mean, how can a little kid get out there and earn a living? I've got a dark-haired little eight-year-old grandson right now who doesn't know how to make a living, but dad does. does. And so dad brings home the bacon. Dad provides for the family. The grandson could not begin to do that. Now, let me just say this. I've been through this process. Some of you have been through this process. As the parents get older, that role can reverse canon. And we had that time as our folks got older. I spent many hours at mom and dad's house building stuff, wiring stuff, fixing stuff, uh, providing this or that. And when the time came for them to downsize, the kids rolled up our sleeves and and we dug in, and it reversed. I mean, they had provided for us. It was time for us to be there to help them. But my dad, through all those years, was a faithful provider. He knew how to work, and he taught me the the meaning of work, and it, it built some character in our kids and us kids. And and dad was a worker, and he always provided. He was quite a businessman. And that is amazing because he never went to school for it. Nobody ever taught him how to do it. He didn't have a dad growing up to teach him those things. You know, let me just say this as I think of my own dad. If your dad is still around, if your dad is still alive, today is a wonderful occasion for you to look him up or to call him up and to thank him for the thousands of hours that he worked to raise you. I figured it out this last week. The average dad will work about 40,000 hours to raise a child. 40,000 hours over the course of 18 to 20 years to raise you. And dads, you endure a lot of headaches. You endure a lot of heartaches as you earn your money. And so I commend you for that. I commend you for handling your money wisely. My dad handled his money wisely. Now, any dad could indulge themselves. But my dad did not, most dads do not. We have to think about the kids and how are we gonna provide for the kids? You know, you gotta go without a lot of stuff, don't you? And that's, that's very gracious of you to do that stuff that you could otherwise have if you didn't have all these kids. But you have these kids, so you gotta be prudent and you gotta be generous. And growing up, we watched dad manage the pennies. Dad was tight. But you know what, every so often, every so often he'd do something to shoot off her guns a little bit, if you know what I mean by that. You know, I, I think it's okay from time to time to be a little extravagant. I think that principle is found with the gal who anointed the feet of Jesus and, and that was a year's worth of money and, and they were mad at her for that. But, but dad, maybe you're the type who need to every so often remember, it's okay to do something a little over the top. You know, a few years ago, um, my family and I, some of us at least, were over in Hawaii. I went skydiving. I jumped out of a, a plane over the Pacific Ocean and watched Hawaii come up fast in, in, the, in the view here. And, uh, and why not? Why not? It's something you only do once. Hopefully <laughs> you, you survive it. But I have I have always been pretty conservative with money. I think um, our kids would tell you that. But there is a time and a place to lighten the purse strings and to kind of keep the honey in the honeymoon. And for you, it might not be, you know, Hawaii. I was 60 years of age. It might be a trip to the cities. It might be a trip to the Dairy Queen. But, but there is a time when you, you do something a little special and you're a little generous, and your kids will remember that. That memory will linger for a long time. And, you know, my dad was conservative. But occasionally we'd, we'd take a trip to the Black Hills. We'd take a trip to the Wisconsin Dells. We'd take a, a Saturday and we'd load all six boys in the old station wagon. And we'd go down to see a twins game. We had fun at the lake. You know, when I was a kid growing up, we never ate out. If we went to a twins game, we brought cold meat sandwiches and chips and all that. But, but dad would take us out to eat once a year uh, to this one particular place. And we so looked forward to doing that. Now, if being a dad, is something God has called you to do. We find you need to be a profitable provider. And, and 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 if that provision is wearing you out and you say, Pastor, I don't know how much longer I can keep bringing home the bacon. Just remember this. If you're a dad here today, by God's grace, you can do that. And it might seem like an eternity as, as you're raising your kids, but I'll guarantee you, as somebody who's raised five, you blink twice and they're gone. And you say, how did that happen? It goes by so fast. It was tight for us as our kids were growing up, but God was always faithful. And so we see the required relationships. Secondly, we see the profitable provision. Thirdly, we see the steady security. This is so important. Your kid needs security. This is this is sadly lacking in so many homes today. And kids, as a result, are all confused today. Dad needs to provide security. You know, I... Uh, I know that when I uh, was a kid growing up, my family was a secure one because daddy was home. Daddy was home. Do you provide that security to your family? Do they feel that way when you're home? Now, let me say that part of that security is what I call boundaries. We know what boundaries are. They are like fences that say you can go to this point, but no more. And, And children by nature don't, they're not born knowing the boundaries, all right? And so you're the one, along with mom's help, who teach them where those boundaries are. And let me just say this about boundaries. Boundaries are good. Boundaries are something children need. I mean, God gives us the Ten Commandments, doesn't he to keep us from messing up our own lives. And He says, "Thou shalt this and thou shalt not that." And, and so we need boundaries. And without them, you're fostering and cultivating bad character. So kids need to know, this is the limit. And let me just say this. Sometimes kids don't realize what's best for them, do they? As we were raising our kids, we had these rules, we had these boundaries, and sometimes they were pushed against and they were not appreciated, but they're the best thing in the world for your kids. They really are. May I show you a very interesting verse again from the Proverbs? Proverbs 22:28 28 says, Remove not the ancient landmark which thy notice fathers have set. What's this talking about? What are these ancient landmarks? And 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 why shouldn't we remove them? Well, you know, I, I live on a farm south of town. And uh, for uh, many years, we've kind of known where our boundaries are out there. And, and there's been a time or two I've gotten a metal detector out. And I've tried to find a peg, a stake that's driven in the ground. We, we mark them today with stakes. This is our boundary. And we have them here on our property here. And uh, there's actually uh, a place, I think it's where Arizona and Colorado and New Mexico and Utah all meet. How many have been to that four-state corner before, okay? It's the only place in the nation that has four states meeting there, and, and you find the boundaries, And so we have these ways today with GPS and metal stakes to identify boundaries. But but back in Bible times, they didn't have GPS and they didn't have all that surveying stuff. And and so if uh, one tribe's land started here and stopped there, they would put these big boulders there. Or if somebody owned a, a farm field, they would put these boulders on the corner of their field to know that this is where my land goes up to and your land stops here. So I farm this and you don't. Well, crooked people back in the day would uh, get enough guys together to slide the rock over a foot, and then next year another foot, and then next, year, and you could actually steal land that way. And so the wise man of Proverbs gives us this verse. He says, "Remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set." May I say to you, there is a boundary that goes beyond a landmarker, and these are the healthy boundaries that kids need and that they are getting moved today. Unless you've been living under a rock, you see what's been going on in our nation, in our society as it were. And sadly, we have an industrial strength mess today because we've we've moved these boundaries and kids are all confused about what God has made them and there's a real brainwashing going on today and with it a plethora of problems, a lot of problems. We've moved the ancient landmarks And a lot of it is kids have lost their domestic security. Mom and dad don't take care of this stuff at home or explain this stuff at home. And kids get brainwashed out in the world, as it were, outside of these four walls. And we've, as a nation, lost our conscience. And as a result, we are seeing unthinkable things take place in our land. We're seeing unthinkable crimes take place in our land. You know, when I was growing up, everybody had guns, but nobody took them to school and shot up the place. You say, what has happened? Well, our kids have been lied to. And as a kid growing up, we didn't have church security teams. We didn't have cameras everywhere. We didn't have men walk in the facilities. That was unheard of. We are different as a nation today. I'm telling you, <laughs> we're a much different nation than we were when I was growing up. God help our kids. God Help our grandkids because as a nation we've lost our moral compass. We've moved the ancient landmarks. The lines have been blurred in our culture, and it's tragic. And we say, Will it ever return to sanity? People don't know what's right or wrong anymore. I grew up with tried and tested boundaries, and much of America really was built on biblical boundaries. You went to church, you, you um honored your mom and dad. You worked hard and you bought your stuff. You didn't steal somebody else's. You were satisfied with what you had. I'm just saying it was very, very different. These are necessary boundaries. A good dad will provide biblical boundaries for his home. And again, kids don't always appreciate this. My kids didn't always appreciate this. But dad, be consistent Don't move those boundaries. The kid needs those boundaries. They need that security. It's not always popular, but you're going to have to be farsighted. And dad, do your best to be fair, but the kids aren't going to always think you're fair, will they? But that's all right. They'll be parents one day. Ever say that to your kids? You'll be parents one day. And I thought, yeah, in the millennium, I mean, a zillion years from now, I'll tell you what, you blink twice and you'll be a mom and dad and you'll see it a lot better Well, we've seen the required relationships. We've seen the profitable provision a dad needs to make. We've seen that steady security. And then finally, we see that a dad needs to bring terrific training. Now, the Proverbs are chucked full of instruction of a dad to his child, of a dad to his son. In fact, turn back to the first proverb, if you would, Proverbs chapter 1. And in the uh, the opening pages of the Proverbs, you find what I call the my son Proverbs. You've read it. My son this, my son that, my son the other thing. There's instruction of a dad to his child. Uh, for example, chapter 1 and uh, verse number 8. Solomon says, my son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. Look in chapter 3. In Proverbs 3 verse 1 Again, my son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. You know, this is Solomon talking to his son, saying, son, I'm trying to train you here. I'm trying to mentor you here. I'm trying to instruct you in life. And then then Solomon even gets a little bit reminiscent. And he he remembers when his dad, David, did this to him. Look in in, uh, chapter 4 here of Proverbs. In in Proverbs 4 and in verse 3, he says, For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments, and live. Solomon says, I remember how it was when I was a kid, my dad spent those hours instructing me. You know, the instruction of a dad lives on forever forever in the mind of a child. There are so many things that my dad taught me that I'm talking 50, 60 years ago as a kid. They still resonate. And he's long gone. But they're forever with me. And hopefully, I've passed them now onto my kids who are now passing them onto their kids. You know, we need to teach our kids how to treat people with dignity. We need to teach our kids a moral standard of right and wrong how not to yield to temptation, um, about hanging out with the wrong kind of a friend, how to stand alone in an ungodly crowd. Our kids need to know that. Being in the minority and, and the fact that it's okay not to go along with the crowd. That's all right. How about teaching them how to handle the remote control? Something that practical. How to say no to booze parties, how to sidestep a flirt and so on. How to how to be courteous to a waiter or a waitress? How to treat people right? Do we teach them the little things? How not to be the center of attention? Boy, I tell you, there's a lot of kids out there who have to be the center of attention. Little divas who's got to be they got to be in the spotlight. They're drama. How to apply themselves academically? Do we teach them that? That takes work or how to save them for their spouse, save themselves for the one they'll marry. This is instruction, and kids need instruction. Proverbs 20, verse 7 says, The just man walketh in his integrity, his children are blessed after him. Here's that just man, that dad, he walks in his integrity, he passes it on to his kids, and when he's gone, his children walk after him. Why? Because he's left his thumbprint on them. And now they get it. It never leaves. Now, may I say to our dads, children do not have the same IQ as you have, naturally. And so you're going to have to give them instruction on their level. You follow me? You got to remember, they're, they're little skulls of mush. and And, and so you got to put the instruction on their level. And quite often, kids get punished for things they didn't even understand. We expect them to do something. They didn't do it right, and here's the terms that they don't understand, and they get punished for it. Remember their IQ. Here's what the Bible says in Ephesians 6. Your fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You can provoke your children to, to, to wrath by expecting something of them that they didn't even understand, and they were punished unfairly. They're not going to comprehend instruction on your level. You have to put it on their level. And it's it's really kind of fun to do. Now, my kids are grown, but I'm thinking of my six, uh, six-year-old 6 grandson at this point. And, and he is so fun to teach because when he's with grandpa and I'm teaching him something, you can see it in his face. The little wheels are turning. The little neurons are firing and the little dots are connecting. And he's asking me questions. I, I think our creator... It's so awesome. The way he 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 laid this out, he set it up, this was his plan for one generation to teach another. And it's, it's wonderful doing this. Now, l- let me just say this about instruction. Character is built in a child by repeated lessons. And uh, you might have to explain it over and over again. Explain why. You know, if I could do one thing different, raising children now that I'm done it would be to take more time to explain why. Now, let me just say, there's a point where a kid needs to stop challenging you for everything you tell them to do. Well, why, well, why? I'm I'm not talking about that. But I am talking about when they honestly wanna know, taking the time to explain it, it's worth it. And it affords you every opportunity to teach. These are open doors to teach. And by the way, it doesn't have to always be spiritual. Sometimes as Christian dads, well, it's got to be spiritual. No, um, it doesn't have to be. Honestly, there's, there's a a lot to learn out in life that just has nothing to do with the Bible and nothing to do with God. Every wharf and woof event are teaching moments, and it never ends. It never ends. You have these opportunities that are wonderful teaching moments, and the mind of your child is like wet cement. And you have an opportunity to leave a permanent impression. My dad did a lot of that. You know, my dad loved cars. And uh, he taught me a lot about how to take care of a car, how to handle a car, how to be easy on a car, how to extend the life of a car, things I still practice this day. It's stuff you never forget. And that cement has hardened, that impression been left, and I now see it in my kids. Some of that same stuff. And by the way, kids catch more things then you realize. You know, I, I what's amazed me about my kids, there are a lot of things that I don't remember teaching them, but they were watching. I'll guarantee it. they were watching. And they learned both ways, the spoken word and the example, but I think the example perhaps is uh, more powerful. So, Dad, let me just say this. Give your kids something while you're alive that they'll never lose. And that is some instruction. The Bible says... A wise man is strong, yea, a man of knowledge increaseth strength. You know, one of the best places to instruct your kid and give him some of that knowledge is the car. I uh, worked a summer job from the time I was 8 until I was 15 for my dad. He had a mobile home court up in Grand Forks area. And uh, we lived... Uh, Our summers out at Maple Lake, and we always would commute an hour in and an hour out. We had a, a Chevy Caprice station wagon. How do you remember the old Caprice station wagon? And those were wonderful teaching moments. I learned so much from my dad during that time. Well, we've seen the required relationship, the profitable provision, the steady security, the terrific training. And may I say to you, Dad, give your kid while you have time, your attention, your teaching, your love, your experiences. You know, as kids, we uh, watch dad grow old. Uh, we watch dad lose his strength. Dad used to walk four miles every day, and uh, he did that for decades, but he couldn't walk anymore. His his health started going down, and finally he got to the place where he wasn't hungry at all. And I'll never forget that weekend where we were all called together, and we knew it was time. He had quit eating. He was trying to tell us he'd had enough. And uh, we spent that Saturday with him, the whole day with him. And uh, finally, it got late at night, and I knew I had to come back to Fargo. I, I knew I needed to preach the next day. And uh, and I thought, I want to take one last picture of Dad, but he looked pretty tough. And uh, so I thought of this picture, and uh, I took his hand in mine, and I took... One last picture of, of me holding my dad's hand. Mine's the one with the Band-Aid on it. But uh, anyway, uh, we said our goodbyes. He was not awake at the time, but I, I knew it's the last time that I would see dad alive. And uh, about the next day, the next morning, he drew his last breath and uh, went to be with the Lord. Proverbs 20 says, Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find The just man walketh in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. How true that is. If you're a dad listening to me right now, it's your turn to affect the next generation. How do you do that? Well, you provide emotional security. You uh, value your children because they are valuable. You uh, provide safety for your kids. You set boundaries by enforcing them consistently You watch the criticizing. There's maybe a little bit of a place for that, but more reaffirming. You teach right values. You provide a moral belief system. And by the way, throw in some family fun in the midst of that. Dad always did that. I tried to do that. Now, I am far from a perfect dad. My kids will tell you that. But I tried hard, and uh, I was sincere. And in closing, let me just say that's my admonition to you if you are a dad, hang in there. The Bible has so much to say about the importance of the role that you're fulfilling right now. Don't you ever, ever let the world minimize that. It's something spawned in the mind of God, and it's something that will have a powerful effect on the next generation. You've been listening to Pastor Tony Skeving of the Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. If you would like a CD of today's message, you can obtain one by sending a gift of $2 to Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. That address again, Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. We hope you'll join Pastor Skeving next time right here on Pulpit Power. Pulpit Power is a production of Heaven 88.7.